What's up, guys? Welcome to a Roaring Podcast from Roaring.io, where we talk to some of the best in tech and product management. My name is Jesper Kask, and I'm your host. In this episode, we're joined by Fredrik Streiser, who's the commercial manager at fast-growing Norwegian company Strice, who provide a platform for simplified decision-making. We talk about the problems of fragmented information, using data and AI to make smarter decisions, and what it means to have a cohesive 360 view of your customer. Enjoy. Okay, so welcome, uh, Fredrik Reeser, commercial manager at Strice. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be invited. So uh, let's dive straight into it. Uh, we've introduced Strice previously in the, in the podcast, uh, but tell us a little bit about the story, about the company. Absolutely. So um, I'm not one of the founders. It's uh, Marit Rødvann, Patrick Schenum and Sigve Sørjåsen um, who founded the company. And that was approximately five years ago now. Um, what it started out as was a research project up at the Norwegian school uh, and at NTNU um, where they were looking into using graph technology and natural language processing, NLP. Uh, to create structured data out of unstructured data. So there's a vast amount of data floating around in, in, in the world on the internet now. Um, and how do we as a company make use of that? So that's what we've been aiming to do at Strice. Okay. And uh, how does that, uh, you, you mentioned sort of a, a data structure process uh, that sort of was the beginning of everything, but what what is your product look like today and what's your solution? That's a great question. Today we have a Strice platform uh, where our end users log in to solve their business problems regarding uh, information that they need to uh, get based on. It could be anything from onboarding a customer, so close to AML, KYC, know your customer, um, but it's also on prospecting new opportunities, so growing the company using AI technology uh, from the graph structure to provide a, a solution that automates that for you. Um, today we have big banks that we're working with. We also have other companies uh, in the financial sector that uses our platform as a basically a hub to make decisions, and that's what we aim to do as well. We want to create a in the face where people can log in and they can get connected insights for a smarter workflow to make decisions better and collaborate across their organization. Okay. And uh, in a lot of companies, we talk to business processes related to, to customers and, and customer information. And they're usually conducted through uh, conducted manually through through several different systems and platforms and and tools and and you've sort of uh, from what you tell me now you've sort of gone in the opposite direction gathering all of these uh, different processes of of decision making into a single platform. Why is that? Yes, uh, that that's absolutely correct. We, what we've seen and what we see is that there's tons and tons of legacy systems. Um, where there's been individual projects and uh, systems that's been created to take care of one individual problem at a time. Um, and this creates data silos. And the legacy systems that we see 10, 20 years old systems, uh, the biggest single uh, problem with them is that they don't connect, they don't talk to each other. And what we believe is that if you have a system 
that your company can use and that everybody is able to log into to get a single source of truth, you'll be then able to have a compounded value of, uh, you'll get the compounded value of each decision that goes into the system. As an example, say that me as a salesperson would find a new opportunity using the Stripes platform. Now, in a traditional system, I might be working just solely on that customer. I might be following up, hopefully being able to to get a deal close with them. But it might be that I need to then export that data and send that to another system where someone else works to screen them for any risk signals, saying maybe there's been bankruptcies attached to them. Maybe there's some data regarding their adverse media on some trades with blacklisted countries from the fat blacklisted or as you you provide the peps and sanctions register that they are actually a political exposed person now that all would take a lot of time and there's no transparency between these uh, between these uh, systems but what we're able to provide using strice and using a platform that's uh, uh, that's allowing both parts of the organization to be working together is the insight, the connected insights. So a salesperson making a decision to go after a sales prospect. And then for anybody working with AML, compliance, credit, ESG, being able to then look at that prospect and say, well, actually, this is a flag for us. This, we, we can't pursue this opportunity or, or the other way around. We can pursue this opportunity and we need you to double down on that. So there's a compounded value that, that happens as soon as people work together in one system. Yeah. And, and then you also get a sort of a cohesive view of the customer profile, I guess, uh, which isn't spread across systems and, and looks different in every system. But you have a, the same information uh, for everyone to see, uh, which must be a huge upside for customers as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So a 360 view of the client or, or the customer, that's, we, we see that as a buzzword uh, across, spread across the internet. And most likely it's very fragmented system still. Um, but what we've been able to do with the Stripes platform is that we have almost 200,000 different sources that we connect real-time data and cross-reference towards. And what happens is the second that you have all that data connected into one place, you're able to do analytics on that. And you're, you're able to not just provide the data, but you are able to provide the connected insights as well. And what I mean by connected insights is that we would then be able to say that this is a person and the network of that person has a uh, associated uh, universal beneficial owner that is, again, blacklisted in another country or they've gone bankrupt 10 times, which would be very hard and time-consuming to find if you were to just Google search or use traditional system to look up each and, ev- uh, each and every single individual. Most likely, you wouldn't be able to find each individual. And it would, if you were able to find that, take uh, a lot of time just to connect those insights. But having the network model, the graph structure that, our data model is based on. You're able to not just look at the single entity, which is the company or the person that you're looking at. You're actually able to see their entire network and what sort of the growth and risk signals associated with that as well. Mm. Uh, and if we go back a little bit and just you, you, you sort of describe yourself as a decision-making platform. Uh, 
or or maybe a decision making simplifier of of sorts. Um, what's the problem or or issue with the way everyday decisions are made today in companies? Because uh, a lot of these decisions are made on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, I think I think the single biggest problem is that information is fragmented. There's um, simply put, there's not access for everyone to see all the information. Even if you work in the same organization, oftentimes there's different logins to different teams. So that's one part of it. And the second part is that having fragmented information spread across the internet as well means that it would take um, both skill and time to be able to find and consolidate all the information to make a proper analysis to say, yeah, this is the decision I want to make based on the holistic view of the company and its network. And um, we believe that good decisions, it start with, starts with a good uh, foundation of knowledge. Uh, and that, 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 I think, holds true both in like, per- personal and professional lives as well. Uh, the more you know about a certain product or a certain individual or a company, the better informed you are, the better decisions you'll make regarding any sort of actions you need to to take towards that individual or, or, or product as well. For sure. And and what is, uh, if you just take us through the basics of the data that you currently provide in your platform, what, what kind of data from internal and external sources do you use and, and how is it used? Yes, so we... we used our natural language processing to to be able to take what we call unstructured data and turn it into structured data. Um, this allows us to reduce noise because we're then able to take an entity, again, which would be the person or, or the company, and make sure that what we provide associated with that entity is actually regarding that person or the network. Now, this sounds pretty trivial for us humans because we would be able to, for example, read a newspaper and see that a company name was mentioned. But if you look at this from a computer perspective, it, it's re- really hard for them to segment out that it's actually talking about a, a company and not something else if, if the name is the same. So an a- example would be Apple and Apple. Say that you have the fruit and you have the company. Now you need, as a human being, it's very simple to see that it's the Apple, the company, and yeah. this is pears, bananas, <laughs> apples. Fruit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but using the contextual data, using the natural language uh, processing, we're actually able to then make sure that this is the contextual data. This is an article mentioning both Apple company and the late Steve Jobs, for example. So we know that this is talking about the company. And on the other side, we could see that this is talking about or mentioning Bama, uh, the, the, the company, and then the fruit, and then segment the two into two different buckets and say, this is associated with the entity you care about, and this is associated with something else, and get that away from your newsfeed or get that away from any sort of adverse media that you're able to find in stride. So media is one big part of what we provide. So news, events, uh, everything that. Uh, that that's covered by by the media, but there's also correspondences. There's also announcements. So say that the comp- classic company intelligence uh, that you'd find from a, any sort of traditional lookup search tool, um, you, you'd find that in Stripe as well. But what we're able to provide on top of this is a layering of contextual intelligence that gives you more of an insight. And so uh, this is where, for example, your data is very very valuable for us. Because what we're able to do then is go out and search for who is the experts, who's really providing the best 
data aggregated on this specific topic. So say, for example, for PEPs and sanctions that you provide, we are then able to put that and put that into our platform. And what you end up with is a contextual view, which has tons of expert uh, data aggregators making sure that what we are able to provide on the contextual insights on the business intelligence side and the company profile that we provide in Strice is the best of the very best. So that's that's basically what what we aim to achieve is that we have news, we have announcements, we have uh, ESG, we have PEPs and sanctions, we have the data that you need to do sales, we have the data, data that you need to onboard, and we're continuously adding sources as well as their regulatory scene changes and needs changes from uh, from a strategic business perspective. Mm. And obviously, you mentioned the uh, the, the crucial uh, part that that data plays in in decision making, and and uh, data quality is, is is sort of the uh, sort of the key there, isn't it? If if the data quality is is low, uh, the data isn't worth a lot. Actually, it's it's probably more harmful than than beneficial. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and how, how do you ensure data quality in, in, in the solutions that you provide and, and uh, in what way? Yeah, so, so going to back, back to my, uh, my former point, I think this is where having a platform structure like Strice is what sets us apart. We're able to segment out that this is actually the entity that you care about, the person and the company, but we're also able to segment out that the, the providers that we choose to deliver the data onto the Strife platform is the best of the very best. So as an example there, we know that for Scandinavian companies looking for PEPs and sanctions, um, there's tons of providers, but most of them have an international perspective where they've really not taken into account good enough the, the regulatory scenery that, that entails sort of being a business in Scandinavia. Meanwhile, for example, as, as again, Roaring provides is the best of the very best on that aspect. So then we're able to pick and choose and see that, well, this is actually the best provider to solve this very specific problem. And we, we take great pride in, in, in understanding sort of the limitations that data has in, in Strice as well, because at the end of the day, we're a time-saving workflow tool where people log in to save time, make better decisions, collaborate, and, and solve their everyday problems. And if we're then providing data that's lackluster, that's not good enough, that's actually increasing, uh, increasing work rather than, yeah, increasing risk, increasing the time spent, then, then yeah, we're, we're not filling sort of what we're uh, aiming to achieve. Uh, and what are the biggest challenges you've encountered so far in in trying to digitize and and automate sort of the daily business decision making processes? That's a great question. Um, I I think there's still uh, a lot of companies who want to build their own solutions to to solve problems that that, that occurs. So instead of looking into sort of experts on on the field and and yeah, uh, acquiring a third-party solution to solve very specific problems and and help the company grow and help the company get more digitalized. They are still looking to solve it themselves by either uh, using consultants or having an in-house team developing. Um, now, there's 
tons of examples that go the other way around as well, uh, which obviously is a big opportunity for us and where we see that this is the companies that's most likely to prosper in the in the near future as well because the 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 technology it, it, it increases in complexity. It it gets harder and harder to develop uh, in house and you need to maintain the infrastructure that's associated with it as well. So I think to answer your question that the biggest challenge is just making sure that we have a good enough story as to why go with our solution, why not build this in house. Uh, I I feel like we're we've finally gotten to that point, basically based on case studies and examples of companies that's uh, you, that that's gone down the route to uh, utilize Trice as a platform and and see the results they are getting from using us, and then being able to provide that in case studies and say this is not hard to copy. This is something uh, that we can provide to you as well. But it would be very hard to copy the technology by trying to build this yourself. Hmm. And have you? What kind of response have you been getting from, from, from the customers that are using Strice in terms of uh, improved uh, quality of the process or or improved comfort of the process, knowing that the, you have the correct data at the right time and uh, time saved? Uh, what What are you hearing from from customers? Yeah, um, I think if I start off with three different examples, um, one is on sort of the sales module in Strice where we're able to use the AI technology to basically run through your customer list today and look at tens and thousands of data points and have the AI learn from your interactions and recommend you new prospects. Uh, we've seen then results being that uh, sales managers uh, sending us messages saying, this is revolutionizing. Usually I've been buying lists uh, from, from this provider where we'd have to just run through the list chronologically. And that's a common one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's really manual and, and it's also very repeti- uh, repetitive and it doesn't really have the compounded value of the initial decision that you make saying that, well, I know the, see, say for example, company number three, I know that that isn't a good prospect for us. Now, this would then live in my head if I were the sales manager, but using Strice, I'd be able to X out that company and as the the market evolves and new companies come along and so forth, this is actually t- taken into account. And it would then all of a sudden, when you show up, uh, show up at work, you, you'd get a recommended prospect that because based on your all your interactions. So this is this is an example of uh, processes that's been around for tens of years where you you've bought lists and you just run through the list chronologically to where with the Strice platform, uh, we've heard that, oh, we, we tested it. We, we, we usually had like five customers, uh, five prospects uh, on our team that we identified uh, through the, the entire process like this. And now we've gotten 136 prospects in one week. Now, obviously, that's a really extreme example, but, but it's a real case. And, and it, that's, yeah. So that's very much on the sales side uh, as to how we automate prospecting and, and, and better that, that, that aspects of, uh, of growing your business. But on the AML side, we've gotten results from big banks saying that we've been able to save three-fourths, 75% of the time onboarding a corporate customer. And this is obviously a significant time reduction. And... What this allows the companies to do, the big banks to do as well, is grow faster because the biggest bottleneck they have 
today in terms of expanding their market is is the time onboarding. We've seen examples where it takes two to three months to onboard a corporate customer. Now imagine saving three fourths of that. It, obviously, that's that's a a lot of a uh, lot of more customers that you're able to then uh, then onboard in one month. Yeah, bis- business performance just skyrockets from that, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, it, it really does. So it. So that's very significant. And then I think the, the last example that I want to mention is just being able to have this system work across different departments. Um, to use onboarding as an example again, uh, we've seen then that the compliance officers would be able to look at what the AML team is doing in the onboarding session. And traditionally, they've been very reactive um, in, in certain instances at least where they've been very reactive because it's not been a standardized way. Uh, the reports have been um, that they've gotten and uh, there's been different systems and it's been very much like sending, looking at, it, uh, looking at it from an email with an attachment and then running through that and then sending an email back, uh, having questions. Meanwhile, everybody working in the same system, saving the report, which is automated in Strice the compliance officer could very quickly go in and see this is the actual data that was provided on the time of the risk assessment. And all of a sudden you take away a huge part of sort of the inter interaction between those two departments, which in essence is very much uh, not ne- necessary at all because what we really care about is the results. Was this a proper onboarding? Did the risk assessment make sense? If not, then this is the reason why, and you're able to communicate that as well using the collaboration features. That's great. And and in your opinion, if you start to sort of look ahead and into the future, uh, what does the future hold for for digital decision making or decision making in general, and and especially if we have the sort of the scope of AI and and those kind of technologies, what would you say? Yeah, that's uh, again a really good question. Now, I think that we're on the verge of being able to utilize AI to the point where we're able to be extremely quick, but still reactive. Now, what I mean by that is that we're not, we've not reached a point where we're able to use predictive and analytics work good enough um, to, to prescribe sort of the, the strategy moving forward. Whereas Moving now from a time where everything was extremely reactive, uh, very slow, because just gathering the information in the first place and, and flagging what had just happened would take too much time. Now we're at the point where we're able to almost instantly tell you this has changed. Um, and this is the flags associated with it. And this is probably the action that you, based on your organization and your sort of action points, uh, should take. But I think that looking at what is in the near future is taking that one step further. It's about looking into the big data that is provided on both risk and growth and seeing that, well, we actually see that a number of your customer within this portfolio seem to have problems in year number three within this industry. What we suggest as that would be predictive analytics and then the prescriptive would then be the system giving you a suggestion telling you that, we suggest that after two and a half years, you sit down with the client, you make a plan to make sure they don't fall into the same problems as, as their peers are uh, usually facing in that time period. Now, that's just one example. And there's, there's tons of interesting and great examples on, on this and, and the experiments that can be done. Um, so that's sort of where I think that we're 
heading moving forward uh, using AI to to prescribe uh, both strategies and and action points. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely an, an interesting uh, interesting future to follow, uh, given the 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 advancement on tech, of technology and the speed of the advancement uh, for everyone. Uh, and if if you sort of were to give uh, an organization or or a company uh, a couple of pointers where where to begin in in trying to optimize their business processes and their decision making related to the business processes. Uh, uh, what would you what would you pick out of your uh, magician's hat? <laughs> yeah, that, again, a really good question. Um, I I think understanding whether we are facing growth or risk as the biggest sort of bottleneck in in terms of where we're trying to go. Um, I definitely think that if if you're able to identify uh, whether it is growth or whether it is risk, you're more clearly able to set the strategy moving forward as to where your next sort of technology venture should lie as well. Um, And then identifying the bottlenecks that exists already and making sure that you don't don't double down on some sunk cost fallacy on uh, halfway done sort of integration projects from a time that's gone. Making sure that you set the modern standard of having having systems that set out to help you collaborate and uh, solve problems in, in the way that you would do in your everyday normal life. Because what we see is that technology is changing uh, and the way companies will procure technology moving forward as well will be much more similar to sort of the way that we procure uh, technology as consumers today and if if we look at sort of the work environment and how that's changed over the last pen, five to ten years we see the new generation of decision makers who is now actually approaching uh, uh, approaching their first or second second job and they're starting to make impact and they are the future they are the ones that will be making the decisions and if you don't facilitate a technological revolution slash change based on your internal systems to facilitate what they want to see, what systems they want to operate in, then you're losing out. So um, to if, if I were to give one pointer to big enterprises, it's start having a strategic focus on the user interface uh, on the, of the systems they do acquire because the young professionals now arriving to, to the work uh, work, work uh, or arriving at work, they have expectations. They're impatient. They're more impatient that that they've ever been before. They don't like slow systems. If they say, if they see a system that, do I really need to download this, uh, copy paste it, and send it to the person on the desk next to me so that <laughs> he can just give it a thumbs up? Then, then yeah, then they're losing out, and this is yeah, this is gone. a huge yeah. problem for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I think that's a that's a major focus that companies really need to be aware of. That if they are to attract ca- talent, and talent will define who will be the the prospering companies moving forward. Then yeah, that's the focus area. Yeah, and I think going back in in, in our discussion uh, earlier on, uh, I think you sort of need a uh, you you mentioned the the need for quality data as a sort of a foundation for the decision making uh which can be provided in in several different ways obviously but uh and then you you need a, a sort of a um a, a slice of digitization or automation just to to speed up the process 
and and finally uh, cross system and and collaboration cohesion so that you know that you have the same data available for everyone and that you can collaborate and work simultaneously absolutely so um, I, I think that from a a product perspective there's three pillars that you need to be aware of as a as a company um, the first is that you need user adoption and and that's that's very much on the collaborative end um, that's very much where you, you're able to provide a new solution to an end user and the end user say that yeah this is better than what we've had before I'd appreciate if I'm allowed to work in this system moving forward. But usually that is just uh, pretty, that's that's just for a time being because new systems will always come along. Um, So what you need to do as a second part of that is to have a top-down anchoring strategy where you're able to not only satisfy the end users, but you're also able to satisfy the managers and the board in terms of the strategy moving forward. Is this a technology that will actually be be implemented in our policies and our training? So say that a new employee um, comes in, then your technology and your platform is one of the first things they get trained to do stuff in. And it's not a nice to have. It's required that you do it through this because... Uh, we want to reach our business goals and our policy then dictates that this is the best way to do it and our employees should be trained in using this platform. And then number three would be infrastructure. Uh, and infrastructure means basically how do you integrate to create seamless uh, se- seamless uh, workflows. Uh, it could be through APIs, uh, such as the way, way a lot of, I know, Roaring systems are set up and that you are facilitating uh, for. Um, but it, it could also be that it's bring your own data where um, the, the company that you are delivering the service to are able to provide parts of their data into your system and end up using your system as the main hub as well. Um, and I believe that for a good product company uh, that's modern, you need to have at least two out of those three. So either you have that you are extremely user-centric. We as Rice, we believe we are very user-centric. Um, and you could be then, for example, attached to the entire infrastructure uh, to the company. Um, or it could be that you are user-centric and you become a part of the policy. Because if you're just one of these, then it's most likely very easy to uh, replace you with something else. And nobody want to be in a position where they're easy to be replaced and that's obvious from a commercial standpoint, but it's also extremely important in terms of the conversations you're having with the client or the customer, because the second you become something they rely on, it's more e- it's it's much easier to continue to develop to provide them what they need moving forward as well, because the conversation will be much more revolving. How do we solve this yeah. instead of yeah yeah and a constant feedback loop, hopefully, as well. Absolutely. Um, well, that's great. And uh, in terms of, of Strice and your platform, uh, you mentioned some of the business processes that you've already digitized and sort of tried to automate uh, as far as it goes uh, in terms of uh, customer onboarding and, and uh, prospecting uh, and, and uh, the KYC AML regulation, regulatory compliance issues, for example. Um, what's the next process you're looking at to try and improve uh, Strice as a platform? 
Yeah, no, I think uh, doubling down on what we've already been able to to achieve, a, a huge focus for us this uh, this quarter is to to double down on sort of the monitoring aspect of using Strice for KYC. Um, what I mean by that is that we see that we're able to provide real-time value in terms of the flags that we have in Strice to say that a new a new beneficial owner has just been uh, added to the company structure. Um, adverse media, this, this flag uh, uh, tells me that this company has some risky news. So we're, we're able to, to provide you with this. But what we're focusing on now is actually taking that monitoring aspect and delivering a real-time service that will flag companies uh, in internal systems that's outside of the Strice platform as well. So, so that's very much on, on the AML, AML side. Um, and then we're also looking into ESG. How we, we see that there's a huge regulatory change there as well. We see that it's becoming a big focus area for both enterprises and, and smaller companies. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a really important sort of position to take from a sustainability factor as well. And uh, we want to be technology that that works for a better future for, for everyone, both users and the users' uh, customers and, and their portfolio. And we think uh, that we're able to, to provide something very unique using the graph technology and uh, yeah, attaching the ESG data to, to that. So definitely focusing on, on that moving forward this year. Sounds awesome. Uh, and what is the, uh, if, if you were to sort of have a, uh, do you have any closing thoughts? Before we before we wrap this up, <laughs> um, no, not not really. It's just uh, I'm, I want to thank you for allowing us to to join in on the podcast. Uh, I we love the work that you guys are doing, and uh, I I think that we we have a really good collaboration going on in terms of uh, in in terms of the PEPs and sanctions data and all the all the data that you guys are providing. So. This, yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to think out loud now. If there's anything that we haven't been able to to re, to really dabble into, and I think for this episode, no, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Frederick. Uh, the pleasure is all ours. Um, really, really enjoyed having you on, and and thanks a lot. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon, Jesper. Bye. You've been listening to an episode of a Roaring Podcast by Roaring IO. Feel free to share it with your friend, colleague, or peer if you liked it. If you wish to stay connected to us, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.